Welcome to the Grandstand Golf Podcast. I am Kevin Bapti, and I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Craig. Hey, how we doing? And Adam. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome, guys. So, Adam, why don't you give us a quick tournament recap here? Yeah, so we had the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. We had Xander Shoffley uh, up by three at the halfway mark. He fell back a little bit on Saturday, but Russell Henley had a three-stroke lead going into Sunday. Then Jason Kokrak had a really hot Sunday, eventually dueling with Xander down the back nine, uh, but he kind of ran away with it. It shot at 64, ended up winning by two. So, Adam, you faded Kokrak last week. Yes. And it's it's been well documented that our fades tend to perform pretty well. So do you think this is a, a case of the classic fade bump, or well, did maybe you expect he, this from Kokrak? Maybe he got a little bit of extra motivation. I, You know what? There was a little. I tried to get some inside knowledge here, and I did find out that Kokrak was the uh, or one of the MGM ambassadors. So I did know that going in. So I did play him in DFS. I will say that. So basically, from that, like essentially, from what I understand, you can go and like pay to to play with one of these guys. Um, so I don't know if his price is going to go up after winning there, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it probably will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Vegas, money speaks. So yeah. yeah, he wasn't the only one in the field, but yeah, he was an MGM ambassador. So I just they have a few courses out in Vegas. Obviously, Shadow Creek was uh, one of the more uh, famous ones and the one highlighted this weekend. Um, but his course knowledge came in hand. Like it came in handy. He said he's played it probably twenty times or so, and a lot of these guys haven't seen it before the practice rounds this week. Yeah, he so, led led in putting. So I mean. If you pick up a putt or two over the course of the week, maybe that's the difference. One extra one falling, you know, that's the difference between winning and losing. Absolutely. I think it's uh, kind of a shame that Charlie Hoffman wasn't in the field because I was telling Craig this, but he was a caddy there back in the day. Really? Yeah, he he was a UNLV guy. And apparently when he was in college, he he would work as a caddy there. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, he probably has a little bit of insider knowledge then. Yeah, no kidding. So there's... Some talk, I, I believe Kokrak's been on the tour for nine years, and this is his first win. So, Craig, do you think that Kokrak was the best current player without a win? I mean, personally, I don't. If I had to take, you know, the list of players who don't have a win and and pick the favorites going into any given week, I, I think the one thing that maybe, you know, so on that note, I guess... Abraham Answer doesn't have a win yet on the PGA. Scotty Scheffler doesn't. Uh, Fleetwood, which that one surprises you a bit because it's kind of yeah, uh, kind it, of an it, asterisk. It's kind of but, an asterisk because he had yeah. he does have a lot of wins. It's just he's hasn't been playing much on the PGA till the yeah. last few years. Um, but I think it's one of these ones where you know maybe he's the best player, thirty five or older, that hasn't won yet. I, I think it's one of these ones where yeah, like a someone who's in their second year like Scotty Scheffler we don't think of them as one of the best players who hasn't win hasn't won because Mm -hmm. you know it's coming whereas a guy like Kokrak you know he could potentially go his whole career without winning when you when you're starting to get up there to 35 without a win I was actually surprised I mean he's just one of those guys you thought you'd look back and you know he picked up a win here in 2015 and then you know he had a second one in 2018 lesser known fields fall schedule events maybe um so yeah, I was surprised. Kind of, I didn't really put it together that this that he hadn't had a win yet. Pretty to be good perfectly fields. honest, I'm I'm pretty surprised that Craig didn't try to squeeze Will Zalatoris into this conversation. Well, somehow. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that. I was thinking as I was going through the list of guys, and I was like, you know, I would actually take Zalatoris over the. Um, but pretty good field for your first win. It's not a it's not a lesser event in any way. I don't oh, yeah. think so. It, it, well, he uh, except that it's a limited field, but yeah. you know. But that, limited that field, yeah, but, but still, limited this field fields is are way often stronger strong than, fields. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. WGCs are limited fields. Masters is a limited field. It's not like we take anything away from those. <laughs> no, we certainly don't. Um, so Xander finished second for the second time in recent memory um, after his, his second place at the Tour Championship. Um, Adam, do you think Xander has to start playing better when he has the lead? I still question the whole second place of the tour championship first off. Oh well, god. It's but, just the last time we saw him up by the by the top of the leaderboard. We don't need to get into this. We don't need to there. get into that, but 
So I think yeah. we have here, he's 0-3 after a 36-hole lead and 0-3 after a 54-hole lead. I don't know. That kind of seems like picking stats to kind of fit their narrative. I don't really believe that he needs to play better with the lead. Xander, I mean, he's still really young. He's done incredibly well for someone his age. Uh, I don't know. I'm not buying that. I also don't think that this was a case of Xander losing the tournament as it was of Kokrak just playing really good today and making a lot of birdies. See, I I disagree a bit. And and hear me out because... So I think we, we, you know, we were talking about Cantley last week. And, and to me, this is a little bit of, of similar to what you were trying to say, where someone who wants to be in that upper echelon. And, and, and we're talking about Xander like he should be a top five player. And I think, I think he should be. Um, he had a three-hole, 36-hole lead, and he came out and shot a 74 on Saturday. And, and fair enough, he didn't have it on Saturday. He had a poor swing. He had a, a very average to mediocre putting day. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you are never getting it done with a 36 or 54 hole lead, like it's hard to think about if you're talking about DJ or Rory or JT, like they close those kind of tournaments out. Uh, so it's uh, just an important name there. Uh, Tiger. He's the well, yeah, Tiger's the know. classic. I mean, until last year, he'd never come from behind to win a major. But, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess it's just we talk about Xander and no one has anything bad to say about Xander, and with good reason. But if he wants to be a top five, one of the big dogs, it can't always be the come-from-behind charging type. Sometimes you just have to go run away with tournaments. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And it's interesting you bring up that Cantley comparison because I did get skewered for that by you guys. So um, no, I, but the, the I don't, I don't with disagree us. with you. I don't disagree with you there, though. It, it's true. It, you expect... If somebody's going to be in the top 10, top 5 range in the world, they need to go out and win these tournaments when they have a chance. And it's the exact same thing that I was saying about Cantley last week. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you there. So I, do you think, again, like, I you... do think Kokrak had a hot day today. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, you know, and I think Xander had a great Sunday. Um, yeah. It's just more his Saturday that let him right. So the, and, they were tied. Kokrak and Xander were tied on 16. The long par 4, 600 plus yard. Par, or, par sorry, 5. Par 5, par yeah. five sorry. Um, and Xander kind of made a mess of it. And like, do you, so are you saying that, that like he lost it there? They were tied going into that hole. No, I mean, to me, Xander came in, I don't know what he ended up 66 on the day. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I think it was a 66 to, uh, uh, to to Kokrak 64. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Xander in any way lost it today. I think he did a great job charging and, I think, if anything, it was his Saturday. And, and not that he choked in any way. He just he didn't have it. And apparently he had a really bad range session and it carried out of the course. Yeah. He just, like, it's one of these things where every, all of us have been out there on a golf course and not had your swing. And so when you are leading a golf tournament and for whatever reason, you know, maybe you had a bad night's sleep, for whatever reason, your body's just not letting you do what you want. Uh, but for him, he was in the lead, and it was it was uh, a day where he went out and shot a 74, and of course he shouldn't have done that. And we have talked in the past, too, about how we always assume these guys are at 100% physically mm-hmm. and, and, and mentally, and, you know, some days you aren't. You, we've all experienced it, so yeah. um, it's hard to know how those things play into it. Speaking of which, someone who was not 100% today and ended up withdrawing from the tournament, Jason Day, which was very surprising. Um, so with the increased popularity of sports betting uh, and the potential significant amount of money to be won and lost, do you yeah. think that the PGA Tour should require an injury report like they have in football? Adam, what do you think about that? Well, first, so Jason Day was T6 going into Sunday. I think he was in Xander and Kokrak's group, uh, the second to last mm-hmm. group. Um, he played the first hole and I think he made a triple bogey. He might've hit in the water twice. He was my, he was one of my picks on our YouTube show. I do, uh, with Craig for Sunday. He was just, he was doing really well to green and I, I liked him a lot for Sunday and I played him in DFS and, um, I had him start on my leaderboard and I was looking forward to watching him get started his day. And then he blew up in the first hole. I'm like, okay, well we got to make some birdies here. And then the, tweet from pga communications come out that he withdrew so i'm kind of conflicted here as a fan and as a as uh, someone who just loves golf and a better as 
a fan, like he lost out on a six figure paycheck pretty much by withdrawing. So it must have been serious. Yeah, I, I don't feel bad for anyone who lost their entries in d- daily fantasy or yeah, the, or betting. The, you know, I feel bad. Three dollars. Adam wants his three dollars, Jason. <laughs> the three dollars I lost. I mean, it hurts me. I, it's probably close in significance to his hundred thousand. But you know what? Hundreds um, of thousands. Yeah, because I, I mean, he easily could have finished top five uh, going into the day. But it's just it's just interesting it happened here. So for the first time ever, we had MGM show live odds during the PGA Tour broadcast. DFS and uh, sportsbooks have been kind of becoming legal throughout the world, throughout different states in the U.S. Uh, most sports, NFL is huge for this. Someone's questionable. Someone's doubtful. Uh, we have it from NBA. People have to submit it before that day, that game, whatever it is. I think we need to get something for pga it just need there needs to be a public confidence that we're all on kind of the same page here there needs to be open communication and it's tricky because if someone wakes up i I think mackenzie hughes um before he made it to the tour championship whatever the northern trust he had he woke up funny and had a stiff neck yeah i don't know if that gets communicated in an injury report or if it's uh brooks who actually has significant injuries and he's battling back like it's hard to know if it's coming from them how you can take that report, but I just feel like there needs to be some kind of communication to fans, uh, especially with the increased popularity of betting. I, I, yeah, I have a, I mean, I think it's tough to compare across sports because part of the reason that, you know, especially the NFL where injuries, I, I think are the most predominant, but other team sports like that is that you're playing against an opponent. And so preparation for the, the, the opponent that you're about to play may may hinge on who's going to be playing that week and Mm -hmm. and the probabilities of people playing and i i think the other thing that i think is a little bit problematic is that these guys are are essentially private contractors and they have less obligations to the pga tour and to you know the uh the individual tournaments than say teams do as part of the nba or the nfl uh so i i I sort of agree with it, the, some of the principles of, of it, but I, I don't think it's, it's really that feasible. Um, and in, in this instance, you know, Jason Day, from, from the interview he gave, or it may have been uh, just them talking about it, but apparently he, he tweaked his neck while warming up on the practice range. So right. it's the type of thing that if it had been an injury report, it, it wouldn't have really shown up until you know, minutes before tee off. And, um, I, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, you know what? And, and as much as we talk about this, it's never going to happen. I don't think mm-hmm. with the PGA tour, I just don't think it's, it's something that they're going to be able to control enough to, to put anything official out. I think you just got to follow these guys on social media and hope they're sharing and <laughs> I treat, do your research. I, I, hey, I try to gain leverage any way I can. <laughs> I just think, I mean, with, the how much these guys are working out now how vicious their swings are to get that extra distance we're gonna there's gonna be more injuries and also how long the season is i mean it's a 50-week season of course they're not playing every tournament but there's no real off season for them to heal their bodies they have to pick and choose their schedule and it's different for every person depending on their status um people are getting bigger they're actually working out it's just it's a little bit different than when we even look back 20 or 40 years ago in in the golf world yeah they're much more athletes in the in the modern yeah. what we think of modern athletes and you know what i mean the other thing is just a shame for jason day because he's he's battled through so many injuries and and the back and you know now i don't know if this is related to the back or or what but i when he was playing well this week i, I heard them making comment about how he's changed his swing he's talked to tiger about ways of changing your swing to be less stressful on your back and so you know, I was I, I pulled up Jason Day on PGATour.com. dot com. Do you guys do you guys have a guess as to how old he is? Thirty two. You must yeah. have also pulled him up on PGA no, Tour. No, I didn't. I didn't. That's see. Hey, I would have wow. thought he was way older than that, just based on all the issues he's been dealing with health wise. Yeah, I would have guessed he's a little older, but um, you know, hopefully he can get himself right when he's when he was playing when he was number one in the world. A few, I guess, what was that? Five years ago now, or something like that. Um, he was he was phenomenal, 
and it'd be mm-hmm. nice to see him getting back to that level, but um, only time will tell, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of injuries and athletes, we had uh, Brooks Kepka return for his first week back since his injury. What a segue. Uh, so so craig how did you how do you think he looked out there this week i I like i was impressed by what i saw out of brooks i i think that you know the the results probably weren't i I honestly don't think he cared too much about his actual score this week i think that uh, i think he said at some point it was about getting competitive reps before augusta I thought that there was a lot of good takeaways. Uh, he looked good swinging. I think that there's things that he can work on still before Augusta, but I was I was impressed from from what I saw physically. So from what I heard from him too, I guess he said he didn't know how how bad he felt until he's now feeling better. So oh, interesting. Uh, you know, maybe that he finally has turned a corner because I think in in the past he's he was more hurt than we were kind of led to believe and what he was letting on i think too. exactly exactly um, so, so did you guys hear if he's playing or planning to play another tournament before the masters so i'm not looking sure. through the field next week and i didn't see him and i think i would be surprised if he's not playing next week i'd be surprised if he did play anything yeah. else before augusta yeah um but yeah no. yeah because then we only have bermuda and houston which i think um after zozo i think a lot of the top guys will That'll be it before Augusta. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the top guys, some of them, they didn't really perform like we thought they might this week. Uh, JT sort of hung around there right around the minus 8, minus 10 mark for, um, it seemed like Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Rory was yo-yoing like Rory tends to do sometimes up and down. (laughs) Um, Rom was right there kind of. Yeah. four under most of the tournament wasn't he um what do you, you guys have any thoughts on any of those guys morikawa was my pick he he kind of did the same thing as justin thomas just had a I good felt, friday but wasn't really able to maintain the momentum I, well i think both craig and i uh felt jt and rory were kind of stalking for a lot of uh friday saturday maybe um possibly going into sunday to make a move mm-hmm. i think rory on the today went bogey double bogey double or something like that like i didn't exactly see his finish he was either five or six over i want to say somewhere around there in his last five or six holes and and so the the one thing i was going to say about rory is i i thought that we were starting to see really promising things and and i was gonna i was planning to hype him up uh (laughs) coming out of this tournament he so you know you look at his score uh, I, I think I brought this up to you guys. I, I might have brought it up to you a couple of times, but he had a lost ball on on, right. the, on number seven, I want to say, the par five, uh, where it, essentially he was hitting a long second shot into the green, and in that front hill, it just embedded and was lost. Uh, and so it's essentially a two-stroke penalty, lost ball, go back and hit that second shot in again. Um, and so I was going to be hyping up the fact that Rory has turned the corner, and he just, I don't know what happened on the back nine today, but uh, he had been playing well for the most part and then just, just blew up. And I haven't had a chance to look through it all because it was not, they didn't, they didn't show it on the broadcast no, because they yeah, don't usually wasn't. show those ugly finishes on the broadcast. And then so Rob- have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed with some of these top guys like Rory um, and, and DeChambeau, they, they can have a nine hole stretch or something like that where they something just isn't working and they they maybe they'll shoot 40 on a nine or something like that and yeah. it it kills their tournament you know mm-hmm. like they they still are good enough that they can they can be right there but I mean that's they've shot themselves in the foot it's too much of a handicap to overcome and we saw that with uh, Deshambo last week at the at the Shriners he had I think it was the front nine on Saturday that he shot a 40 rory's done it a couple times now also not quite at the top but xander did that on saturday it's like it's one little uh inch they can be off or a fraction of an inch in their swing or their setup and it just they they lose it for when well, they day. used to say that about tiger that tiger was the best bad golfer like he he was the best golfer when he's not playing well of anyone yeah. out there mm-hmm. and yeah. and you do see that a little bit from jt i think uh, yeah, I agree. Where he, I agree. he does a better job hanging around, I think, than someone like Rory. But 
Yeah, you know, I, I think from from all three, so say JT, Rory, and, and Rom this week, we saw basically what felt almost like their par. You know, like they were they yeah. were better than the average person in the field, but they were kind of about they didn't play well for their standards, but they didn't play like right. horrible for their standards. It was kind of just when they're not playing great, but they're just out there being one of the greatest golfers in the world. You know, I feel that's like an Rom- interesting concept. Their par. I wonder yeah. if that's like if you could if you could match that up with you know maybe pre tournament lines or something like that and that's what their par would be. Anyway. I was just gonna say I feel like Rom wasn't really close at any time, which I, I kind of going into Wednesday night I, I really liked him once uh, DJ uh, dropped out to the positive COVID test. I think Rom could have overtaken him for number one in the world with a first or second, and that's the kind of motivation I think Rom likes. Uh, so I really liked him going into the tournament, but he just never seemed to be close. He was just kind of chipping away, top 30, top 20, never really threatening. Yeah, yeah the one thing about Rom, it felt like he was kind of at four or five or six under on Thursday or Friday, Friday probably, and then just it seemed like he might gain a, one yeah. or two, but then fall right back. Like it, it just he didn't have any momentum and and i guess the other one that that we haven't talked about so much kalmarakawa disappointed me a bit it seemed like he was positioned somewhat well going into the weekend to to uh you know him and him and xander and hovland if you were watching the the featured groups they were together on on thursday friday and their friday round was just so entertaining because all three of them were hot and and i thought morikawa was going to do a good job carrying that momentum over the weekend and he just didn't like he he didn't really show any signs of life yeah yeah he just kind of uh coasted into the finish there with i think i think he was i want to say he was minus eight and shoffley finished at minus 13 after friday um, he kind of went toe to toe with him in that feature group, like you were saying, and I I believe Morikawa, Morikawa finished right around minus eight after the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, didn't really didn't really do anything from that position. Um, Adam, why don't you give us your three stars for the week? Yeah, so my third star is Russell Henley. Uh, so as we talked about, he was a leader after fifty four holes. He had a three stroke lead going into Sunday. Um, didn't win, but I think. I think it's a lot of positives to take away from it. He actually hasn't had a top five since the 2019 John Deere Classic. Um, I, I mean, he's, I think he's a three-time winner. He's a multiple uh, PGA Tour winner. So he's been around a while, but he's routinely near the top in the PGA Tour, uh, going back a couple of years in strokes and approach, but he's been a poor putter. He just hasn't been able to convert. And he was actually second this week in strokes and putting uh, behind Kokrak. So I, I don't know. I he's uh, he's an interesting kind of guy to keep track of, and I just hope he's found something uh, possibly with his putter. Hopefully, it's not just kind of a one tournament flash in the pan. But yeah, he's my third star. Mm-hmm. I like it. I uh, I thought Henley. I mean, a lot of people with the lead he had going into Sunday. A lot of people could say that he lost it. I don't think he did. I think that. Uh, you know, he he went out there. He maybe could have taken a little bit more advantage of the opportunities that he had and, and some of the scoring holes. But, mm-hmm. you know, Kokrak and, and Shoffley just went low. Like yeah, when when people sure. go out there and shoot a 64 that are a few strokes behind you to start the day, you're going to have to play pretty darn well to keep up. Yeah, yeah. I think Henley was disappointed um, probably with the result because he probably envisioned today that he might be having a chance on, on 18 and that wasn't the case, but again, I I don't think that uh, that's on him so much mm-hmm. as those other guys just playing really well today. This, this is a quick aside, but did you guys what did you guys think of his outfit on Sunday? It's kind of like brown for like an off brown. I saw, uh, when as soon as the coverage came on and he was wearing them, I'm like he can't be lifting a trophy with that. Yeah, not gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you got to clean that up a little bit. Adam, you've always been a little more flashy. <laughs> Okay, I, thought, second... I thought it was quite dapper. Myself. I was going to say, oh. it kind of reminded me of something Kevin would wear. <laughs> yeah, okay. And we're going earth tones today. <laughs> uh, my second star is Xander. Uh, so Craig pulled out this stat, I think, on one of our YouTube shows or possibly our Twitch show on Wednesday. But I think you said, Craig, he was top two in six of his last 16 no-cut events. Was mm-hmm. that the stat? Yeah. So he's now seven of his last 17. He's top two um, in no-cut events, which is 
absolutely unbelievable. Well, he's got the record. weight off his shoulders, you know? He's just crazy. Which, like, how many cuts does the guy miss? Why does he care about it? <laughs> well, here's, here's the other side I was going to throw out. His last 10 tournaments, he's, all, he's top 25 or better. So yeah. he's on a remarkable kind of run of golf. I mean, he has been for a while. We, we were saying if he's a top five golfer, I think he's in that five to 10 range, uh, but top 25 in the last 10 tournaments. And he seems to be always hanging around there at us opens other majors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, sort of what I was saying, where I, I would like to see him being a little bit more dominant. I think that he's got the game to, and, and I, I think everyone likes Xander. I think everyone likes it when Xander's up there contending because he's just, yeah. he's such a competitive guy uh, that yeah. I want to see him being a little bit more, you know, the whole step on their throat mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast before. I, I like him. I want to see him win. I yeah. told you guys I was cheering for him today. Um, you know, wasn't his day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First star, it was his day. Jason Kokrak, uh, first win on the PGA Tour after 233 events. <laughs> That's just like a PGA Tour uh, grinder. I mean, he just kept his card, kept his card, kept his card. Uh, went to Las Vegas where he has some ties to. He is an MGM ambassador. He knew Shadow Creek and he got his win. So my trivia to you guys, do you know where uh, Jason Kokrak was born? No. Crickets over there. San Francisco. North Bay, Ontario. Oh. I, I was wondering. Low-key top Canadian. <laughs> Low-key. Yeah, exactly. I don't know exactly where, when he moved to the States, but... It also, he they could have been American parents that were in Canada for work or something like that, you know? Yeah, but, well, I think we can take that as a as a win, you know? Oh, right. Canadian um, golf, right? So so what do you guys think of this win for Kokrak? Did you, do you think it was a little bit of a lucky win? Like, he, he putted his ass off like so today I for think sure yeah, yeah so i, I, I say... think that he it, it is a little bit of a lucky win in the sense that he did he put his ass off and he's not that good of a putter typically but he is typically a very good ball striker so i, I think this yeah. is the classic ball strikers people who are as good at at driving the ball and and you know hitting into greens when they do have that week where they get a hot putter, you know, maybe he knows the court. He feels he knows the course better than other people. Uh, I think that's when you see it happen for them. And this is just when it when it all came together for him. I was just going to say, I think I texted you guys after their eleventh hole, and they they just tied up, um, or possibly the next hole. They just tied up at nineteen under, and I said, who, like, do you, who do you guys think is going to take it? Um, and I I just said, yeah, I think it's going to be Xander because. Kokrak's putter is too hot right now. Like this, yeah. <laughs> this isn't sustainable. Yeah, yeah. But last hole, I mean, what a drive! Ha- has a nine iron or pitching wedge into that 18th green, which on a par um, five, yeah, the par five, which you know that hole, you could see where it's pretty cool. Par five, first off, where everyone can get over the water in yeah. two, but there's such a huge advantage for say the Rory's or the, the Kokrak's, I think Kok- they said Kokrak had the second longest drive of the day. And so he can, you know, they're, they're holding that green was difficult. And so to yeah. be able to play a wedge or a nine iron and hold that green gives you the advantage of distance, which is such a better concept than a lot of these par fives where, um, you know, they're, it's either go for two or not. It's not like people going for two. There's kind of that really good variation in terms of um, the distance. Okay, and then I got one thing. So we've had six tournaments here uh, to start this season, right? Jason Kokrak was our last winner. We have had six winners. Can you guys, here's another trivia for you. The average age of the winners this season. Well, we had Sink. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40. I'm going to say 33. Yeah, so we've had a lot of old winners. So I included Bryson, U.S. Open. I guess it's, I don't know if it's PGA, but I included Bryson. He's the youngest one. Uh, it was 36.5 is the average age of the winner this season. So those uh, more cowboys and wolves, hey, watch out. These guys, these old guys still got it. Yeah, yeah so Kokrak is <laughs> the first, first-time winner of the season, I believe. Yeah. And you know what? We're talking about how well he, was, he putted this week and whether it was like, it wasn't lucky. He played really well. No, he, yeah, for sure. He 
got a hot putter and you know the way he played 18 shows you that he was ready to win and he went out and got it he totally got it there was no there was no um you know wavering under the pressure of the moment at all no yeah no so let's move into stock up stock down craig who do you have moving up this week okay so this one is is I, I just first off I love watching this guy play. We've brought him up on the pod before. Um, Terrell Hatton. He came over from the the BMW PGA Championship, winning it last week in Europe. Uh, yeah. Came over super jet lagged and what was it sixty five he shot on Thursday. Continued so. continued to go low on on Friday. Not quite as low, but then had, you know, similar to Xander, he had a bit of a setback day on Saturday and then came out and shot another 65 today. Uh, I just, he finished tied for third. I just was very impressed. His his ball striking, he was number one in approach on the week. He was, if you combine approach and off the tee, he was number one ball striker this week. I just, I thought there were so many positive takeaways for Terrell Hatton this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I haven't had a chance to watch a ton of him play, and you know I, I've I've seen some of the the cutups of him and his <laughs> antics, and yeah. it's it, you know I like the guy, but um, he had a he had a wedgie hit at one point, <laughs> and he he hits it, and then on his follow through he just chucks the club forward like helicopters is that, forward. Is that afterwards where he's kicking it down the fairway? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful. He was, he was holding his follow-through follow and instead of just coming down, he just tossed it. <laughs> I, I just, loved it. I was watching I just burst out laughing. It's yeah. like the kind of thing that, you know, somebody on your local municipal course would do and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you don't uh, see mean, it from those guys a lot. You hear the broadcasters talking about how enjoyable it is to be the one following his group because you can just stand back and like let the story tell itself. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the things, though, that I, I don't know who it was that commented on it is for someone that gets so fired up and can be so negative at times, he does a really good job of like he lets those emotions flow and then he gets over it and is totally focused on his next shot. You know, a lot of these guys, like people would talk about Rom when he yeah. was early coming out. They'd get so heated and they wouldn't be able to let go of it. He seems like the types that can hand, like can almost sustain a little bit that that emotional uh, volatility. So, Craig, what category do you fall into? Are you able I, uh, to let it go on the course or do you I hang know, on man, to it? I'm, I'm chill these days. I, I no longer <laughs> am the... the uh, fiery youth i once was the rage monster ever ever since he started golfing barefoot and was connected to the earth he's been much more ground earth tones it's it's all about mindfulness guys (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right craig who do you have moving down this week yeah stock down uh scotty scheffler uh you know i i love scotty scheffler first off but uh, he had a a couple weeks off there for uh, when he when he was diagnosed with covid uh, apparently gained 10 pounds and Mm -hmm. this is the, the third tournament we've seen him in um, hasn't been great results. You know, he, he did make the cut in his first one, kind of just an up and down week. And then he missed the cut last week, although he played fairly well. It was a, a crazy cut. Yeah. He just really, you know, he had a, a 77. And I want to say, aside from that 77, he was, you know, 71, 71, 70, around there. Like, he never really had a good day and he had a bad day. It's just... From what we saw out of Scotty Scheffler closing out the season, like the 2020 season last, you know, into the Tour Championship, I was expecting him to have so much more momentum right now and and really be looking to kind of move up into those those top 15, top 10 guys in the world. And and we haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he definitely hasn't had his form since he since he's come back from his his COVID illness. So, um, you know. Hopefully we see it again soon. Yeah, he's fun to watch when he's playing well. Yeah, yeah. He was one of my he was one of my uh, picks on our YouTube show, and uh, I just I kept waiting for him to make that move Thursday, Friday. It just it just never came. Yeah, mm-hmm. Adam, who do you have moving up this week? Yeah, so moving up, Bubba Watson. Uh, not, Bubba. not a guy. Not a guy I talk about much. Uh, he's although he was very entertaining on the Wednesday I was going to say uh, do you charity. mean as a commentator a broadcaster or as a golfer <laughs> he was very entertaining as a commenter as a interviewer yeah. he was yeah. really good um, but he was one of my sleepers uh, for DFS this week he finished T7 
Uh, but he's actually first in strokes gained tee to green. So he's hitting the ball really well right now. He's just on a really nice uh, run of golf. And stock up right around the corner is the Masters. Yep. Yeah. We know we know he likes that track. Bubba yeah. has Bubba tracks, and Augusta is a Bubba track. Yeah. yeah. I also just find, like, how is it not easy to cheer for Bubba? Is it just me? Uh, well, there, there's there's it's, positives and negatives to yeah. I wouldn't say he's one of the guys that's highest on my list, but well, like so, you know, this thing on Wednesday, like this is the type of thing that makes me a fan of a guy. Uh, so apparently, he was one of the guys that helped make this whole Wednesday yeah uh, I think charity charity yeah. nines happen. And you compare R- Ricky, who was out there barely talking, apparently Just barely barely engaging, faced. really really subdued. Uh, maybe I don't know why, but you think of Ricky as being this jovial, you know, happy-go-lucky type, and would be great in that kind of thing. But here's Bubba carrying the whole tone of the event, and and really being like, this is about charity. This is about all these things, and he just yeah. to me that's just like such a, a classy pro uh, doing that kind of thing. Also watching that, Kevin Na would be a really fun guy to play golf with. Yeah, he yeah. seems like he, a fun guy. He he's looks, done, a, he's he done a few of those now, too. Yeah, he just seems like a really funny guy. Yeah. I, I don't Yeah. I saw the clip again of him uh, him and Tiger at the Players' Championship from a few years ago, or a couple years ago, yeah. where he walked that one in real early, or reached for it real early, <laughs> and, then, and then Tiger did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh. He's yeah. also, I think, a, an MGM ambassador. So maybe we should see if he we can go go get a game in with with Kevin Na. I like oh, it. Yeah. Um, Adam, who do you have moving down this week? Yeah, so I don't know if we made this an official rule or not. If we can't pick, uh, I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to raise an objection here. So my moving down uh, is Paul Casey. I'm just going to throw three stats. So twenty, and this is why I liked him and why he disappointed. 2019 on the year, he was 0.7 strokes gained approach, which is eighth on the tour. 2020, he was 0.631 strokes gained approach, which is ninth on the tour. And then for the CJ Cup, he lost three strokes gained on approach for the tournament and was 62nd. That's it. That's my Paul Casey. So no, if anyone is wondering what we're talking about, we, we were talking about making a rule last week where the person you pick for one and done, you can't pick if them they for don't stock down. Well. <laughs> yeah. I forgot um, about um, that, so yeah. there we go. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, so it was disappointing. Yeah. For me this week, I have um, my stock up is Russell Henley. I was just impressed with the way he played. He always... Uh, he seemed to really be in control of his game and his... Um, his mental approach seemed really sharp from what you could, you know, what came across on TV, but he definitely didn't look like it was too big for him out there. Like he was, he was trying to, he was trying to punch with these guys when they were, you know, when they were going low, um, wasn't quite able to do it, but a guy I hadn't really seen play all that often. And, um, I was impressed. So he's my stock up. Um, my stock down is Matthew Wolf. So I, I, did that one for you, Craig. I, I was going to say, he's the so. secret out of you. Just get someone else to take your <laughs> one. Um, you know, Matthew Wolf coming off that, that loss in the playoff last week um, and strong finishes over the last, you know, or the early part of the season here. Um, I would like to see some consistency from him, you know, to, he totally yeah. laid an egg this week. Like it, I, it might be a course thing. He, it wasn't a course that suited his eye or, or whatever, but if you're going to be in that elite, um, that elite group of players, you can't just have these kind of totally off weeks, you know? Um, I know it does take a lot out of these guys too, when they're in contention to, to, um, you know, it, it's a it's a lot mentally, but we were talking last week on the podcast about how he just exudes confidence right now, mm-hmm. and he's just yeah. like playing with house money, and he's you know. So I don't really see why he would have a letdown and and um, a letdown week, and that's kind of what it seemed like to me. So um, yeah, just a little bit disappointed in him. I'm still a big fan of his, but yeah. And, and I think the other thing week. we might have been saying is that it seems like he's brought what his floor is up, and yeah, and yeah. that you know he he has shown he's going to be more consistent. And that was just maybe it was uh, we were hoping we saw that, or maybe this week's a bit of an aberration. But yeah, I mean, I mean he shot an 80 on Thursday, so yeah. 
you know, that's that's a pretty high or a pretty low floor, I should say. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember saying, yeah, that last week on the podcast, and it seems too good to be true, and his early wins, and his top fives in the majors, and uh, but his his floor, like I said, like we've been talking about, like when your bad golf is still pretty good, then you can compete. <laughs> that did not happen this week. His bad golf was bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so other guys we haven't really mentioned yet. I don't know if you have anything you want to talk about with any of these guys, but... Um, uh, near the top of the leaderboard, we had Gooch, uh, Lanto Griffin, uh, Neiman, Harris English, Munez, or Munoz. Sebastian Munoz. Sebastian Munoz. He, he's a guy that seems to be up on these leaderboards very often. He's playing yeah. really well. He's playing good golf. I, I was going to say, he had a, a few miscuts after the restart, uh, but maybe it was around the playoffs. He really has turned yeah. it around, and he's, he's had a, a few at least top 10 since then that yeah. in stronger fields. Yeah, Neiman kind of snuck up there today. I think he was uh, six under on the day to kind of. He just has so much game. Down. Like he, yeah. he seems to. He's one of these people who, no matter where he ends up being long term in his career, he'll he'll win tournaments for the level of golfer. Like he'll go out there and he'll he'll lose times too, but he he goes for it. You know, there's there's some people who they'll they'll kind of be middling and and. Um, he he just seems like someone who is going to go for it and and hit at pins and all. The, maybe it's because he's yeah. twenty one and he's still doing that. But <laughs> yeah, um, he you know I saw a slow motion uh, video of his swing this week and his his move at the ball is unbelievable. Like he, the way he coils up his body and the torque he's generating at at impact and the position he's in. I mean, I don't think there's many people who could replicate it. That's for sure. Well, so and he I've goes heard after people it. talk about him being just absurdly strong. Like you don't think about it with guys who are wiry, but apparently he's like he's one of these people that you know you kind of think of a, a lightweight welterweight featherweight type boxer um, and how strong those people can be for their size. And apparently he is like he's one of these people. If if you were in the gym with him, you would be getting lapped. I was gonna I was gonna ask Kevin if you liked his swing because they had the same body shape, but. <laughs> Well, so like there's light people who are strong and there's light people who are not strong and then there's me I, and jason kokrak who are just built tough i uh neiman's not a very tall guy though is he no he, he he's a i don't he's know how tall he is he's wiry yeah, though um yeah, but yeah just real quick sure. gooch and lanto i was a little disappointed today both of them i thought might give it a, give it a shot today and and yeah gooch had a decent finish but but nothing spectacular. Lanto kind of, you know, middling day to day. Yeah. Often, often uh, going into Sunday, I take a look at the at the lines and those guys that are kind of just behind the lead group. You can get some pretty good, pretty good mm-hmm. odds on. And I, those are the two guys I I put a bit of money on today, hoping they would they would kind of make a run. And neither than neither of them did, unfortunately. But um, you know, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> why don't we uh, give a quick picks recap here? Uh, so, of note, Craig had picked Shoffley to win, so he finished second. That was a that was a good near one miss, there. near miss, near miss. Um, for fades, Adam faded Hatton, which you know, classic fade bump there. Classic. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, I, I faded Sunjay, so, you know, that was a pretty good call. I haven't been oh, great with the fade picks. Well, no, so. I had to notify that because, like, what, Sunjay was, like, 21st or something low odds to win this tournament. Like, that's not much of a no. fade to me. No, I, I, I think we think need to put well. a rule, like, top 10, top 10 odds to win here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I well, know. I you know this this whole fade thing is it's Craig faded Tiger one time when Tiger was like, you know, he, he barely made it to the first tee. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Tiger's no longer like a, a competitor? Listen, I'm not, no, you know, I'm you're, you're twisting my words now. <laughs> um, so then for the one and done, we had uh, Adam picked his boy Paul Casey there, which <laughs> well, you're using. My boy, liberally there. I don't yeah, know that. that. Okay, fair enough. Craig picked Matthew Wolf, so it was a, Paul Casey was T sixty nine. Matthew Wolf was seventy three. Managed to, managed <laughs> so to you could say I worse. pulled away a little bit further from Craig with Paul Casey's performance. Yeah, a few, a few thousand dollars separation there. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I picked Harris English, who you know 
opened with a 75 made me a little nervous but then as as my one and done picks tend to do he just yeah. worked his way up the leaderboard the rest of the week and and finished in 10th place so exactly um, the kind of thing i was hoping for him from him last week when i picked him <laughs> and he missed the cut <laughs> So to give a quick update on the standings, Craig's at 200 and something thousand, Adam's at 300 and something thousand, and I am at 1.3 million. So um, (laughs) the note here that we have is that I have, of six tournaments, I've picked five guys that have finished in the top 10, um, and I'm a million dollars clear of, of you guys. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, you know what uh, a purse is? You know what a win goes for? Like one win. I wouldn't get too high on your horse here. There's what another forty three tournaments plus maybe alternate tournaments. We got time. Okay, maybe, maybe. Uh, one, but you know what? I now have a one win buffer. So yeah, come, come uh, at me, guys. No, one thing like to know of a win. <laughs> so this uh, this picks table that we're talking about it is on our website every Wednesday before the tournament. So you can check out our picks on our website there. Um, Craig, why don't we go into your good, bad, and ugly now? And I believe you're featuring Shadow Creek in this version. Yeah, so I'm going to change it up a bit because uh, it typically, you know, I I look for a a golfer or or a few golfers here that did something on the course. But this week, I I just wanted to talk about the course itself. Um, So the good, first off, I thought there was... I thought in a lot of ways it was spectacular. Uh, the greens were pretty cool. You know, they talked about them being some of the best greens they've played, potentially better than Augusta. Uh, you could see some of all these undulations and banks in the greens and and just a lot of really positive things. Um, unfortunately, so, sorry, go ahead. So, oh, did, you hear, did you hear this on the broadcast that they hadn't played on the course for six weeks leading up to the tournament? Really? So that's why I these guys are that. saying that the that's unbelievable. So um, six weeks. That is crazy. Like, of course, there's no spike marks or anything. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and um, it's not like I, I can understand it in August in Vegas or something. Uh, but this seems like it's good golfing weather right now. I don't know. There must have been some upset people with that closure. Well, I don't think there's any members. Like, I think it's just for it's tourists just to MGM come and play. Guys. So, oh wow. I don't know if there's a lot of, I, well, in the States, I guess there is still maybe some tourism happening, but yeah. not not as much going on right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of lost revenue, though. Six weeks of no, you know, no yeah. paying customers. That's yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so the bad. Uh, the bad, this just blew me away. Uh, so lost balls right in the middle of holes. I, I already spoke about Rory how on one of the par fives mm-hmm. hitting into it. Uh, he lost a ball right in the bank, the front bank between a bunker and a green. Uh, and then I'm sure most of you saw the video or the, or the photos from, yeah. from Brooks on number 11, which was a reachable par four that they hit into. And he hit his tee shot and again, right into the, the long grass, soft bank on the, on the front of the green complex. And it was actually pretty cool because Rory had lost a ball the day before and he was playing with Brooks. And so he was in there as aggressively <laughs> as anyone. And he had about eight people in there trying to dig yeah. through looking for the ball. And they that was found a crazy it with, video. I mean, it looked like they were looking for a contact lens. Like there, there was all yeah. over the place, and there was padding and padding. And in and like padding. a you know maybe a three yard by two yard area. Like how can you not? They know exactly where this is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, and then so finally the ugly, and this is this is where I'm going to go on a bit of a rant because uh, to me right. this this golf course represents so much that is wrong with golf, and that people outside you know like we are are, are very big golf fans and we love golf, and yeah. you'll hear a lot from people outside the golf wheel, world all the things that are wrong with golf. And, you know, whether it's how elitist it is and how it's these privileged little enclaves that, uh, you know, really there's no reason that we should be um, having so much resources put towards these places. Um, They're taking away from parkland, golf courses. They're taking away from park. Yeah. And so you think about they're talking about this place as an oasis in the desert. And 
it, I don't know if you guys know what oases are, but they're like places where there's natural springs and they're these quaint little, <laughs> and the, there's absolutely nothing natural about this place. They, they took a flat hard pan piece of desert and they moved an absurd amount of land and they brought in all of these non-native plants and yeah. have all of these ridiculous, um, you know, like, Everyone's talking about like how how great this bent grass in the desert is because no one else does that because you have to water so much <laughs> and you have to spend so much yeah. energy and time and um, I, I did way too much research on this um, and apparently they have a, a young superintendent uh, Tim Cloniger. Who I, is, I love I love how deep you went your research that you figured out this <laughs> superintendent. Had, oh man, um, I, you don't even know how deep I went. <laughs> I was looking at water tables. So so uh, first off, apparently this guy does a great job. He is a young superintendent. He actually has like an, an excess. Uh, an absurd amount of training to be a superintendent. He's got a, a master's, I want to say, in water resources oh, wow. um, and has dramatically decreased their water usage. But uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this rant yeah. short. But no, 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 essentially, I, I like essentially the Colorado River where this is and Lake Mead, which is the famous one behind Hoover Dam, has been has been decreasing for years. And yeah. The whole area, like the whole southwest U.S., has huge water issues. So then we we go to this golf course in Vegas, and they're talking about all of the, like, how lush it is and how it doesn't even feel like it, like, without any, like, totally blind to the, the absolute irony of what they're talking about in, you know, times of unprecedented destruction hardship. Of, yeah. of hardship and and like you know overuse of resources and right it's just the the total failure of the golf world to look and understand how this looks to people outside of it to me is what's just so ugly about all of this you have a place yeah. where you're talking about jokingly about it being six hundred dollars around to play there like, do you know why it's six hundred dollars around? It's because water in the desert costs an absurd amount of money, and so, yeah. like, maybe instead of of talking about this, like it's a whole, oh, like you can get anything you want here, you could have caviar <laughs> on the turn, or like, like maybe we should take a step back and quite like you look at TPC Summerlin last week, and the natural areas were desert. You look yeah. at, they yeah. have native areas here where they have imported trees and, and all of this shrubbery that, you know, like you have banks that are so soft with long, lush grass that yeah. balls are embedded and being lost in them in the desert. Like this, I don't know. I, 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 Greg, I love this rant because I, I think, I think it needs to be said. I think it needs to be heard. I think 99% of the golf community is just going to give this Shadow Creek a standing ovation. Um, because they're the host course, of course, the commentators are going to be overwhelmingly positive. I mean, they have to. Just like with a sponsor, they're not going to say, I lost my FedEx shipment or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, they know where, I mean, their money is coming from, right? I'm sure that didn't is. happen. FedEx is super reliable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, like, it just needs to be heard. And I completely agree with anything, everything. Like, golf should, like, there shouldn't be a large barrier to entry. Yeah, there should be different levels. But... They're, with golf courses, they should have some aspect of respecting the land that they are built on and not just mm-hmm. complete. I mean, it kind of fits because everything about Vegas is fake. So in yeah, one yeah, sense, yeah. It, it does kind of fit there. But I completely agree with you. Well, I, I think I we were talking about it on Friday when one of the broadcasters was like, yeah, like it, you know, it looks like it could be fake out there. And, and the other people <laughs> well, were like, well, like it, it all is fake. <laughs> all of this is fake. Yeah, but you know what? I thought I thought that that's the way it looked. I thought it kind of it didn't. It, looked it just didn't. Yeah, it looked kind of cheesy to me. I I didn't love it personally. Mm-hmm. I just didn't love the way it played. It it. I don't know. It, I just got a bad like kind of viewing experience from it, and for some weird reason, and maybe that all plays into it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I just yeah. think like so. I also, as I was doing this research, I realized that we have come around a little bit in terms of of golf course design and architecture. Now there is much more movement towards using the landscape and making it fit with the 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 place that it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas this was, you know, this was built in the early 90s, and that was 
how it was then. It was, you have this vision and you impose it upon the land. And I'm just happy that we have gotten away from that. And I think that, uh, I just think that we need to be a little bit, we being like the the golf world needs to be a little bit more self-aware as to how this looks to people who aren't part of this little bubble. Yeah, and make it as, like, let's try to make this bubble bigger too let's let's not mm-hmm. be so um restrictive on how easy it is to come into the bubble let's let's let everyone in let's uh, for sure yeah. you, you know you're wearing a hoodie you can come play <laughs> well, and then okay you're, so after we talked about hoodies you get over here too after we talked about hoodies all on monday and tuesday on twitter i saw these different uh people tweeting out from their clubs no black socks no hoodies like give me a break let's uh yeah golf but, like just just stop being so full of yourself sometimes <laughs> yeah, just a little bit more self-awareness. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm going to move on here because <laughs> for those of you who don't know Craig well, his rants can go on for <laughs> some time if, if you don't jump in at some point. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the Champions Tour event this week, the Dominion Energy Charity Championship, where Phil Mickelson won his second uh second career start on the champions tour his he's two for two mm-hmm. um he shot a final round 65 to win by three i don't know if you guys were able to watch much of this is on in the morning so i uh before the coverage so i was watching it and uh it was a battle of the lefties there so, Phil and so mike Weir when were... you had sent you had sent a text saying are you guys watching the battle of the lefties and i was like i was looking at the feature groups that i had on on, on golf tv pj tour live and i was like i was like i don't know what he's talking about so then i was like i was looking through the nfl games to see like are there two left-handed quarterbacks <laughs> players? like I, it took me a while to realize that you were talking about we are mickelson yeah I, I i just turned it on as uh Weirzy was about to hit his approach on 18 so oh, yeah. I, but yeah it, you know it it uh so mickelson the the closing holes there i believe are oh i can't remember but they're all birdie opportunities um there's a drivable par four and a couple par fives i believe mm-hmm. and 18's a par five and mickelson he has bombs Weir's yeah. not a <laughs> Weir's not a bomber so we're you know he played nicely he shot a very good round on saturday um i think he was leading or they were tied going into some not totally sure but um no, I'm I'm pretty sure Weir was leading. Anyway, Weir was, yeah. was leading at, at one down. point. I saw, but I mean, they played 36 holes yesterday. Uh, it was weird because of weather. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So anyway, Mickelson showed that he is if he can keep it in the in the ballpark, he can be a force on that tour because he he can bomb it. He uses <laughs> yeah. his length like like Bryson is using his length <laughs> on the PGA Tour. You know, he's bombing it out there, and then with Mickelson's short game, he can. You know, he can get it up and down from everywhere. So um, going into the last few holes, it kind of felt like Weir didn't really have a chance because they were holes that could – that yeah. Mickelson's distance were going to be a huge advantage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mickelson played them great. Um, like I say, he's two for two on the on the Champions Tour now. Going going to be going for mm-hmm. three, three – his first three starts, I think, which has never been done, winning his first three starts. So now Furyk also was two for two, right? Furyk won his he first – He was, two. but – but uh, I guess L's, L's uh, prevented him last week from going three for three. Oh, nice. So, I just yeah, love this um, group on the Champions Tour right now. Yeah. I, I mean, we omitted, we talked about these young guys. Uh, Mike Weir is 50 as well. So another young guy on the Champions yeah. Tour. Well, and well, I and love that's it. what I was yeah. going to say. I, I, yeah. I think he's I've had 10 starts on the Champions Tour. Weir is his master's appearances the last few years. Uh, and so I, mean, he I, I thought that he was just like really didn't have it anymore, but it's nice to see that he's still competitive with that group of I mean, it's got to be so age. hard when you're like in that 45 to 50 range and you know you can't be competitive. And you're just missing cuts on whatever tour you're on. You, you almost just like are waiting to get on the Champions Tour, right? Well, well I think a lot of these guys really work hard on their game and they take that opportunity to, you sure. know, if, if they want to change their swing in, in some way to make it so they have more longevity, um, because if you can really, if you can peak right as you're coming out onto the Champions Tour, like you can make a very nice, you know, living addition to your <laughs> addition to your retirement fund. Yeah. Um, the thing is, especially if you take advantage that... of those first first few years where you're the young gun out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. The th- the thing with Weir too is that he's sort of like a golfer of a different era, more than more than just the fact that he is a golfer of a different era. Like his style of golf 
it would be difficult to come out as a young player with his game now yeah. because distance is so much more um, has, has so much more impact that when he is in that 45 to 50 range and he was always a short hitter and distance has taken over the game, then it's just yeah. so much harder for him to be competitive. Uh, so nice to see that, that it is, he is competitive out there with the older guys. So when Kevin, he won you... his masters, he, his wedges were just unbelievably dialed. And, and that's the way he, like he wasn't hitting all the par fives and two. He was, his wedge yeah. game was awesome. Yeah. I remember his wedge game and his putting too. He always, yeah. he always yeah. seemed he like he was really a great well putter week as well. So, yeah. Kevin, I was going to ask, are you going to put down a small wager for him to make the cut at Augusta or what? Ooh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. I don't know. His, his game's on form. I like his, it. His game's on form more than it has been in a, in a while, I would say. Yeah. And then the other, the other noteworthy thing that uh, I saw today was Robert Carlson had an albatross on, the, on mm-hmm. 18. I think he ended up going, it was either eagle, birdie, eagle, or birdie birdie eagle to finish his round so he jumped up like you know that's crazy a ton of spots good little payday (laughs) yeah he he made that that's what they're saying he paid some bills over his final (laughs) three holes i like that um anything else from this week that you guys wanted to mention that we haven't already touched on i mean if Uh, i I could get back to my rant a bit but no (laughs) no we're we're over that one i don't know i I have early mornings uh with a little one in the house so i got the european tour on most weekends in the scottish uh championship not to be mistaken with the Scottish Open a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was at the Fairmont St. Andrews uh, in St. Andrews, and it, was, it looked like a nice track, and it was some good European golf over there. Matt Wallace fell off. Uh, he was my fade, so he was kind of similar with my Terrell Hatton. I think he finished top five, so my fades did really well this week. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, flying close to the sun. Yeah, I got Who, who yeah. won that one, Adam? Uh, Ortega, I want to say. I'm gonna oh, mar- Ortega. Yeah, it's a, it's a – I don't know how to pronounce the name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. O- I usually o- take, o- take the sounds not very. I I love the uh, commentators over there typically, but the sound was not very uh, loud this morning. Oh yeah, yeah, been there. <laughs> <laughs> or those early mornings, yeah. You just want everybody else in the house to enjoy their sleep while you're awake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, well, next week we have the Zozo Championship, which uh, has a great field tigers back um that, it seems a, like ev- enough for a great field from Kevin. <laughs> it's good enough for me <laughs> it's a tiger week. you guys know that i get up for tiger weeks that's for sure um another no cup of no cut event uh yeah all the big guys are there no brooks and no bryson but otherwise uh look you know all the all the big guys are there i don't know about finau and dj well if they're Finau be... did he responded to a tweet uh this either Tuesday or Wednesday, and he told some fan, I think, that he was planning to play at the CJ Cup. So there must have been something where he wasn't quite able to make the Thursday start. So I would be surprised. It'll probably just depend on tests, I would think. Like, he's planning to play, but then he has to get, you know, however they, whatever their protocol is set up as, he has to get the negative tests in. I mean, DJ almost seemingly, like, a week straight behind him. I think that'll be a closer call Wednesday night if DJ actually is able to tee it up. Yeah, I, I hope we get to see Fina. I hope he's he's through it all and he can get the negative tests in and and he'll be there. Well, he's my boy. You know, I want to see him out there. He's got to get I, back. But I think I, I read to be that, when he gets back. I think I read that uh, the great one Wayne is a member here at Sherwood. Oh yeah. So DJ, I mean, I think I see he has the course record. So yeah. So so we're at Sherwood Country Club, which is not the typical. Similar to CJ Cup, Zozo's being it's typically held in Japan, or has it gone between yeah. Japan yeah. and China? Or is it just Japan? Well, I was it last year the first year of the Zozo. Yeah, this is this is only second year. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Tiger won the the first one last year, um, and so yeah, it's at Sherwood Country Club, which was the old host of Tiger's World Hero Challenge. Um, so Tiger has some, you know, some connection here, <laughs> which I like. I like. They're giving well, he's, him a, he's got a deep home LA. game with his, uh, to defend his championship. I like he's, that. He's got deep LA roots. He used to always do well at the, the what is it, Genesis Buick. It said a bunch of different names. Yeah, yeah he always, right. he, I think he has a few Buicks in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it should be it should be a good week. I'm looking forward to going through the field and making my picks for that um, because it's always funner when the big guys are playing. 
I, I do have to say, though, I don't know if you guys feel this. So you guys are on the Pacific Coast. I am Mountain Time. I The 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 Pacific start time with the limited field just it, it drives me crazy. I mean, we're waiting. I'm almost waiting till eleven o'clock before anything, and then coverage on Golf Channel doesn't start till three. Well, I know that, that's the one thing I was going to say is that I like these ones where you get the pre pre NBC or CBS coverage on Golf Channel, and then you get yeah. the coverage on there. So like now we don't have we've just got the featured group coverage early, and then we get. You know, I don't know what, where the leaders were when coverage started today, but they were on like six, seven, eight. Maybe. Oh, they were later than that. Yeah, later I think they're at the 10. turn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I I agree. I I I prefer the earlier morning. It's the same thing with NFL. Like, I love the 10 a.m. start here on the on the um, yeah West Coast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I know uh, it's funny because I think guys that come from the Pacific Coast time zone when they go out into the Eastern time zone, they they're like, how do you? How do you stay up to watch these games? No kidding. Oh, I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> Monday Night Football ends at like 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't yeah. do it. Couldn't do it. Um, you guys got anything else this week? Nope. For this week? All right. Well, thank you for listening. Um, as always, check out all our content at grandstandgolf.com. Uh, and we look forward to talking more golf with you in the future. Take care, everyone. See you guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys.